Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. One of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As Drew Die Allen. Conservative. I look to this guy for wisdom. Captain, who's the most unlikable woman in America? Do you know who the most unlikable <laughs> woman in America is? Any guesses? No, Hillary Clinton. It's not Hillary Clinton. I mean, she is unlikable. Don't get me wrong. One of the she's one of the least likable women on on planet Earth, actually. Uh, but no, it's not Hillary Clinton. It's it's not even uh, Michelle Obama. It's not Kamala Harris. No, 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 no. There's a new. I know I got ahead of Captain there. I probably, you know, those are those are three good ones: Michelle Obama, Hillary Clinton. No, no, the most unlikable woman in America, Captain, is in fact Fonnie Willis. Fonnie Willis, the prosecutor there in Georgia, she she had a bad day. Did you see any of the any of this, Captain, or is this? Oh, my goodness. So, you know, look, Fonnie Willis, she's the individual prosecuting uh, Trump in this ridiculous trial in Georgia as if it's a crime to contest election results. And, and, and you know, I mean, this is so bogus, so bogus, so, so insane, like all the other cases. But anyway, it turns out that the prosecutor is corrupt and and. The only reason I decided to spend any amount of time on this today is because it's a a window into the ruling elite. It's a lesson about the Democrat Party, the way they react when they get called out for their crimes, the way they react when they get treated like Donald Trump gets treated or any Republican gets treated. They cave, they melt down, they lash out, they cannot take it. These are such weak people. And I hope you'll understand just what a man Donald Trump is. Just what a tough-as-nails human being he is. To think that you're going to hear a few clips from Fonnie Willis melting down turning herself into a victim, lashing out under this pressure. And I want you to think about every day of Donald Trump's life since he came down that escalator at Trump Tower announcing his candidacy for president. That every day since then, he has been persecuted for crimes that he didn't even commit. Every single day of his life, when, he, when his head hits the pillow, he goes to sleep knowing that he's going to wake up the next day and they're still going to be gunning for him, wondering what they're going to be doing next to try and destroy him and his family. So Fadi Willis engaged in what is a textbook case of public corruption. A textbook case. Just to give you a primer before I play some of these clips, because the point of these clips isn't to really illuminate details about the case and her and everything else. 
It's more to show you the personality behind these corrupt officials. But Fonnie Willis, the new most unlikely woman in America, well, she hired her lover, Nathan Wade, to work on the Trump case. So he's getting paid with tax dollars. And Nathan Wade then took those tax dollars and he spent that money on lavish vacations and dinners for him and Fonnie Willis. You can call this a kickback scheme. You can also call it grafting, political or public grafting. That's actually a crime. She hired her paramour, they're called, right? Her lover for a taxpayer-funded job, and then she had that person spend their taxpayer salary on her. That is corruption. I think I that was a pretty bang-up job, right, Captain? That was pretty clear and concise. I think I might have done this better than anywhere else. You're welcome. It's a good episode. Stick around. Before I play some of these clips, one thing that I do think, because I'm an honest guy, right? The Millennial Minister of Truth, for joining for the first time. That is what I am affectionately known as. I think this was unfair. She was uh, asked, she, because she, apparently she took a lot of <laughs> vacations with her paramour, her lover, to Belize. Belize, the exotic locale of Belize. And she was asked in this one exchange if she knew what continent Belize was on. And she didn't know. You know, it's kind of like, I'm not a biologist. I'm not a, I don't know geography. Look, most Americans don't know what continent Belize is on. Truly, truly. But Belize is actually in North America. Belize is in Central America. It's not in South America. Belize is in Central America. But Central America is not a continent. So Belize is actually occupies like the, I think the southernmost part of North America, basically is what it comes down to. But anyway, she didn't know that. She didn't know that. But I, like I said, most people don't know that. So that's a little bit unfair. Anyway, cue up cut one. So now that you understand what Fonnie Willis has done, all right, she was sleeping with... Well, she hired a guy she was sleeping with, but she was married and all this as well, right? So she's having this affair and so on and so forth. I believe is the gist. She had the, she had an affair as well. I think it was an affair. Do you remember, Captain? I don't want to get my details wrong here. It's not really relevant to the crime she committed here, but I think she had a messy marriage and a divorce. Anyway, the, the, the big thing here that you're going to learn, though, is that she lied. She lied because obviously... She was going to be dismissed from this case if it was learned that she hired her current lover to work on the case. That's a conflict of interest as well. So for this to kind of go away, she had to claim that she actually started this affair, this, you know, whatever, whatever you want to call it. She started this after the case began, but her own coworker in the past and former friend came out and said, no, no, no. Actually, this relationship started in October of 2019. So she lied. So she has no credibility left and she's corrupt and a crooked politician. 
So go ahead, though, knowing all of the things that she's engaged in behavior. And here's her when she was campaigning for the job in an interview on the Atlanta Voice. Play cut one, Captain. Because they deserve a DA that won't have sex with his employees. Because they deserve a DA that won't put money in their own pocket when it should go to benefit children. Because we deserve better. Have you noticed a trend with pretty much everybody leading any kind of prosecution into Trump right now? They're all like this. They're all blowhards. They're all corrupt. They all speak out of both sides of their mouths. I mean, this is like, uh, it's just, it's, it's so common. It's, 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 you should be ashamed to be a politician or a prosecutor in America, honestly, because the assumption should be, if I sit down in a restaurant and somebody tells me that's a politician, I'm like, oh, that dude's probably having affairs. That person's guilty of corruption because that's basically what all these people do. They're uh, political prostitutes. Whoa. Oh, true. Uh, anyway, so, okay, cue up cut two. This is one of my favorites. So, obviously, this is a, a very problematic for this case, her personal behavior. And so she's being asked for personal information and personal records because she actually was paying her lover with cash. Now, why would you do that if you didn't want to be able to trace it, right? So anyway, obviously, these are relevant questions like, can you prove? Can you show any payment? Can you show this? Can you show that? And here's her response. Go ahead and play cut two. Well, no, no, no. I object to you getting records. You've been intrusive into people's personal lives. You're confused. You think I'm on trial. These people are on trial for trying to steal an election in 2020. I'm not on trial, no matter how hard you try to put me on trial. So my question was, do you have any problem? I object to getting any personal records of mine. We're not dealing with privilege through a witness. And I'm not, no, 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 I'm not dealing with privilege. What um, we had offered to put them in camera for the court to review. And I just want to know if she has any That's problem. That's something you deal with with a witness. You notice that she immediately makes herself the victim? And she calls it intrusive? Intrusive? Spend a day in Donald Trump's life. Intrusive. The FBI raiding his Mar-a-Lago home, which now we kind of know why. We kind of know why. And actually, I've said this, there were other people that said it too in the past, they were going there to look for records pertaining to what? Trump-Russia collusion. That's what they were really after. All of that was them going after what they believed Trump took, which was damning evidence of what Obama and Clinton did, which is what? Obama actually engaged other intelligence agencies, the Five Eyes, different allies, including Great Britain, for example, New Zealand, I believe, is one of them as well. There's five of them. And he got them to spy on Donald Trump's campaign and to come out and tell the FBI, furthermore, that they believe there was evidence of Trump-Russia collusion to justify this tyrannical coup. I mean, this is so ugly. So ugly. But there you have Fonnie Willis who uh, doesn't want anyone to have access to her personal records. Those are off limits. 
And furthermore, she's there to, you know, look into these other crimes that aren't even crimes of people who question the election results, which we know should be questioned because they stole the 2020 election. It's interesting, Captain. I was on a show, a couple shows today, but I was on one show today and we got on this topic and I talked about things that you and my audience are familiar with because I've, I've talked about it with you all. But the fact that the Democrats did steal the 2020 election and I talked about that report uh, that I believe I talked about last episode that showed that there was more than 25% of the mail-in ballots were fraudulent. And based on their different scenarios, even if just 3% were fraudulent, that was enough to steal the election. And so we know for sure that Donald Trump would have won without the fraudulent mail-in ballots. And it's interesting. People are, I think, coming around... Like when I used to say this, Captain, I bet there were people in the audience that just wanted to shrink down because you were not supposed to talk about this. That was a no-go zone. You were not supposed to say that the 2020 election was stolen. And then you weren't supposed to talk about January 6th. You weren't supposed to talk about the fact that all of the evidence that you could even witness with your own eyes suggested that it was actually Pelosi, Democrats, rhinos, the deep state, many, many actors on that side who didn't want Trump to be president. The same people, in fact, who were behind the stolen election of 2020, that J6 was a deep state staged insurrection to rubber stamp Joe Biden certification and to silence any debate about what they did so that they could cover up the 2020 stolen election. And as I talked about on, the, on this show, I got no pushback, Captain. I think that people finally know. In their gut, they know. They know that 2020 was stolen, and they know what January 6th was really about. It's still hard to process. I get it. I mean, we're still learning, Captain, about how deep the Trump-Russia collusion coup was. That Obama was actively involved in this. And it's so disgusting to see Obama and Clinton out there smirking on television, browbeating the American people, when they should be in prison. They should be in prison. So anyway, so that was a good one. Now, cue up cut three. This was my favorite. Absolute meltdown. She's being obviously asked questions about her affair. And uh, go ahead and play it. And where, um, when did he come to, I guess, the condo? I'm not sure what you called it, condo apartment. Um, would he come and stay at that condo or visit you there? I'm sorry, visit you there. What condo, what apartment? I want to be clear. So not your house. I know you classified one as house and one as condo. So I'm trying to use those terms. So um, there's been more. That, see, what you don't understand is because of this case, I got to move. And so I, I Merchant, need to, if you could ask a more precise question, yes, please give me the time period. <laughs> Mr. Wade visits you at the place you laid your head. When has he ever visited you at the place you laid your head? So let's be clear, because you've lied in this, this. Let me tell you which one you lied in right here. I think you lied right here. No, 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 no. This is the truth. Judge, and this, it, it, it is a lie. It is gonna, a lie. Well, Mr. Sena, thank you. We're going to take five minutes. Be back in five. Epic meltdown. 
I, I really wish I could have sympathy. I don't feel sorry for her, Captain. None whatsoever. In fact, I'm enjoying this. I'm taking a victory lap. I think that's really why I'm still going on this topic. Because we should celebrate the fact that this one Democrat might be held accountable. But certainly in the eyes of the public, she can't show her face anymore. She's done. She's toast. Now, cue up cut four. This was the most remarkable moment of the whole thing. So she's being asked why she has all this cash laying around in her house that she's just using consistently to pay her lover. And I want you to hear her answer here because she basically, well, she doesn't basically, she admits she committed a crime. Go ahead, Captain. Play cut. Uh, yeah, this is cut three. Four. Whole life. When I took out a large amount of money on my first campaign, I kept some of the cash of that. Like, to tell you, I just have cash in my house. I don't have as much today. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did you hear what she said? I took out. Play it one more time, Captain. Listen to what she says. Where did this money come from? Why do you have this money? Where did it come from? Play it. Whole come. life. When I took out a large amount of money on my first campaign, I kept some of the cash of that. Like, to tell you, I just have cash in my house. I don't have as much today. That sounds like a campaign finance violation to me, Captain. She's using money that she took out from her campaign? My goodness, it doesn't end with these people. Once you go down this lane, you see, this is what's so frustrating. All of these Democrats, if they ever had to be put in a chair like her, Adam Schiff, for example, Nancy Pelosi, for example, with January 6th, if, you had, if, if we could hold any of their feet to the fire, it would be game over. And if the American people could see it, if you could sit Joe Biden down and actually force him to stay in a room for an hour and answer questions and not be allowed to lie about the fact that he didn't know anything about his son's business deal. He never talked to any of them, even though we know that he met every single one of them. It's just unbelievable. But these people generally are shielded from the public eye, and so they get away with it. You think anybody's going to get Obama in a room to ask him a question? Nobody's going to get close to Joe Biden. But here we have a rare moment, a rare moment where the American people get to see. Look, Fonnie Willis might as well be Barack Obama. She could be Hillary Clinton. She could be James Comey. She could be any one of these Democrats or rhinos who have committed crimes in this country, committed treason. They're in the hot seat and they wouldn't survive, but they never get put in that position. And that's the problem. That's the problem. Um, all right, queue up cut five. I'm going to play a couple more clips, then we're going to move on to some other things that are important. Cut five, you had a rare moment of honesty. This is MSNBC, a legal analyst, acknowledging how serious of a problem this is. Go ahead. Legalistic centric and yet so important and fascinating. Right. Don't let the legalese fool you. This is epic. This is monumental. If things are going in the direction we think uh, Fonnie Willis lied to the court, it's game over for her. She will be disqualified um, if they had a relationship prior to when they uh, represented to, to the court. It's, it's a huge deal. I, I can't overstate it. Well, there you go. Somebody's actually serious about it. Uh, not everyone. People are still trying to run cover for her. Don't worry. That clip's coming up in a second. But I, I want to just reiterate this. So, 
Fonnie Willis, again, used tax dollars to pay her boy toy to work on her case. And then that money was used to pay for their romantic getaways. All right? So obviously, Fonnie Willis has to push back against that. So she lied about when her relationship began with this boy toy that she hired. So she said the relationship began in 2022 after she hired Wade in November of 2021. So she's saying it happened, started like a year after she hired him. Well, Fonny's former friend and co-worker testified that she saw them snogging one another. Snogging's a British word for eating each other's faces. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, snogging each other in 2019 after they met at a municipal court conference in October. So there you go. Fonny Willis lied, and I guess she thought she wasn't going to get caught. But, you know, this is just one. You can apply this to every case against Trump. Every case against Trump. Including that slut who won't shut up. That's what she called herself, folks. Come on, I'm not, I don't do that. She calls herself the slut who won't shut up. Uh, Carol, uh, whatever her name is. You know, the nut job for the de- in the defamation case. She said that Trump raped her. It went to court. And the court said, no, you didn't rape him, but we'll go ahead and go with battery instead. So who defamed who? You know, Trump's supposed to pay her, what, like $83 million? I mean, it's never going to happen. He's going to appeal it. This is going to go away, I hope. There's no way she sees a cent. Insane. Insane. What's going on here? She might be more unlikable than Fonnie Willows, if I could even remember, remember her name right now. Carol? It's Carol. I know the audience is like, Drew, you've talked about her at length. What's wrong with you? Are you okay? Anyway, see if I find her name. Find the definite for my own sake here. I need a save. Bail me out of the situation, Captain. We don't take breaks. We don't redo things. I'm losing my audience. They're gonna they're gonna start thinking that the millennial minister of truth, his memory's not up to it. E. Jean Carroll. Okay, Carol. I said Carol. E. Jean Carroll. That's right. E. Jean Carroll. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. Now, queue up cut six. Captain, I am going to cut this one short. I didn't have time to edit it. It's a longer clip. I'm not going to make the audience suffer for two minutes here. But this is Lisa Rubin. This is another legal analyst on MSNBC. So I don't want you to think that MSNBC is just throwing her under the bus. They're not. This is Lisa Rubin. Of course, once again, making her a victim. And I, I, again, think about how these people talk about Trump and his many false prosecutions. And now you've got one person, Fonnie Willis, on the Democrat side who's committed crimes and got caught and lied, and it's unraveling this whole case. And I want you to hear their reaction. They're not, not upset with her at all. Go ahead. What did you make of that moment? I thought that moment was successful for Fonnie Willis. She sort of harnessed her emotion and in that moment redefined, let's let's take peel back the onion and clarify why it is that we're here. You've given me the equivalent of a proctological exam on national television and none of it was necessary because what you're trying to do is what, as Andrew just mentioned, distract from what my office is doing. We had conversations today about how much... Unbelievable. So none of this was necessary. The proctological exam. It was, it was not necessary. Unbelievable. We had Trump-Russia collusion. 
We had quid pro quo. We had a J6 inquiry, an impeachment over that as well. Trump was found not guilty, exonerated. And after he was found not guilty of, of inciting insurrection, you had what? You had the House create a partisan committee to then try and dig up evidence or create a narrative that he incited an insurrection after the Senate said he didn't incite an insurrection. And now you've got court cases that aren't even trying him for insurrection, but are trying to remove him from the ballot based on inciting an insurrection that no one has found him guilty of. Proctological exam? These people have looked for crimes everywhere for Trump, and they haven't found a single one. Insane. Insane levels of just lack of self-awareness. Insane levels of gaslighting, obviously, of course. All right, I want to talk about something else here. I don't know if you heard. Captain, did you hear about this serious national security threat that was announced yesterday on Wednesday? Did you hear about that? You didn't hear about the... uh, the uh, Russian nuclear weapons going into outer space. I am jealous of you, Captain. I'm jealous of you. Honestly, we couldn't do an episode yesterday even if I wanted to because of the Wi-Fi. I texted, I hurriedly texted Captain today. I said, "Are you, you know, because look, we're busy guys. He's got job jobs. I've got jobs, including this one that we love. But I texted him. And I say, Captain, are you are you around? This is how it works. Captain, are you around? Can we do the episode tonight? And and thankfully, he said he made himself available. But Captain, I didn't tell you. The reason I was compelled to set this up so that we could do the, the it wasn't actually the Fonnie Willis stuff that I just spent half more than half the episode on. It was actually this story about the, <clears throat> the national security threat that was leaked by this uh, senator from Ohio. Let me see if I can find his name here. Uh, Mike Turner. Mike Turner. So, yeah, Washington's freaking out over this Russian threat of nuclear weapons in space. Now, what was going on on Wednesday? Now, firstly, let me just put it this way. This is a bunch of BS. It's a bunch of baloney. This, this, this sudden threat that we're supposed to be worried about, about Russians sending nuclear weapons into outer space. They don't need to send them into outer space, by the way. They can just blow one up in the stratosphere, and and it's an EMP attack, and we lose all of our electricity. And then we're killing each other for food. I mean, that's, that's the biggest threat that nobody in Washington ever talks about or has ever been afraid of, not with the Russians per se, but just in general, what a threat that would be. If they, if they hacked in and took out our electric grid, what kind of damage that would do? But anyway, do not trust this. This is a story intended to do two things. The first thing is that right now, the House is facing immense pressure in Washington, D.C. to pass the Senate's Ukraine aid bill. Remember, we talked about this. They want to give another 95 or $96 billion to Ukraine. Now, we know that this war is over. Ukraine's already lost. They've also lost roughly, I don't know, 500,000 people. All their young people are dead. This is catastrophic, and it's all been based on a lie. One, that Ukraine could ever win this war. And two, they wanted it because, because Ukraine and Russia could have had a peace deal a long time ago. And we intervened and made sure it didn't happen. 
So it's us in the West and NATO who wanted this war to take place. And the reason they wanted it to happen, I just want to make it clear, it's about dollars and cents. It's about money. If you think that the 100 billion plus that we have given to Ukraine is a lot of money, think again. Because the money that we've been doing, the money that we have been planning on spending to rebuild Ukraine is half a trillion, easily. This is pennies. This is nothing. And you've already got Soros. You've got Clinton. You've got all these people in there ready to make themselves rich off of the devastation in Ukraine. You know this happens in wars, right? Wars are very profitable for the people that come in afterwards and rebuild. That's what BlackRock is invested in. That's what these huge funds are interested in. So that's what this is about, amongst other things that we don't know about. But that's one of the important things. And so Mike Turner, this uh, Republican from Ohio, he cannot wait to send your son or daughter to Ukraine to fight in a foreign war. He cannot wait to send your son to die over there. He can't wait to do it. He wants to send more money. He wants to escalate this thing and keep it going in perpetuity. And so Mike Turner is on the Intel Committee in the Senate. And on Wednesday, out of nowhere, he comes out and gives this vague warning. There's a threat, a national security threat that I think we should talk about, the American people should be aware of. And it turns out that it's a threat of nuclear weapons in space by the Russians. And what's the problem that the corrupt individuals in D.C. who want to keep pouring money into Ukraine, what's the problem they face? What's the obstacle? It's the American people and popular opinion. The American people have soured on the conflict. Reality has struck most Americans. They have been bamboozled by the likes of Adam Kinzinger, who lied repeatedly, claiming that Ukraine was winning the war and they just needed a little bit more money and a little bit more arms to succeed and beat the Russians. Now, everyone with a couple of brain cells to scratch together knows that Russia is not the greatest threat to the United States of America. In fact, they're very, very low on the list. Americans with two brain cells to scratch together know that the Democrat Party, military-industrial complex, the deep state, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, rhinos, the Biden administration, we know that that is, in fact, the greatest threat to the United States of America. Not the Russians, not even the Chinese. The greatest threat is here at home. And so in light of this, it's incumbent upon the war hawks who want to keep pouring money into Ukraine to convince the American people that Russia is actually a threat. And so they come out with this national intelligence leak, security leak. <gasps> the Russians are trying to put nukes in space. You're supposed to be scared now. You're supposed to get on board with this. You're supposed to say, hey, who cares that they lied about Ukraine? Who cares that they killed the peace treaty? Who cares that all these people are dead because 
Lindsey Graham and a bunch of loser rhinos and Democrats made this horrific outcome inevitable. Ah, let's just forget that. Because even though they lied about that, even though this was a big disaster and mistake, and we got nothing for our money except defeat, well, now Russia's a threat. So now we should support Ukraine, because if we don't keep supporting Ukraine, uh, nuclear missiles are going to be in space. So I can't tell you what a crock of snickerdoodles this is. Nukes in space. Oh, my. So they're trying to generate hysteria. And they're trying to put pressure on Mike Johnson and the House to pass this. Because now they're saying, look, the Russians are put, trying to put nukes in space. This has been going on for a while. We didn't tell you because we didn't want to scare you. Now we've got to do it. Now we've got to pass this bill to protect America. So that's the first reason. What's the second reason they did this on Wednesday? We learned that Barack Obama orchestrated the coup. We learned that Barack Obama and our CIA were actively involved in the Trump-Russia collusion coup in selling it to the FBI. And they don't want to cover that story. It's a bombshell. So instead, you know what? Um, Trump, let's see, Russia, nukes. Yep, double whammy. Double whammy. That's why this is happening right now. So screw them. Screw them. I don't know. Let me, just, let me just read a little bit of this story real quick. A vague warning by the chair of the House Intelligence Committee, that's right, scumbag Mike Turner, about a serious national security threat Wednesday is related to Russia's attempts to develop an anti-satellite nuclear weapon for use in space. According to two people familiar with the matter. You notice they always do that. According to three people familiar with the matter. Four people familiar with the matter. Yes, yes. There were six people that are familiar with this that told us this. Yes. This is from Politico. I vaguely remember reading this story before I printed it out for the show because there's a reason I did this. All right, here we go. In his statement Wednesday morning, Representative Mike Turner, Republican Ohio, said his committee had made available the information. So maybe he's a, a, a member of the House, I guess. He's, he's, a, he's a House member, Mike Turner. Not a senator. Uh, had made available the information about the national security threat and called on the administration to declassify the intelligence so officials and lawmakers could discuss the matter with allies. I mean, that's just like classic, classic. Like me starting the show, I've got this big announcement. I don't know if I should share it with you guys yet. It might not be time. It's huge. It's huge. It's unbelievable. It'll be at the very end of the show, so you don't want to miss it. But I don't know if I should tell you, but maybe I will. Ah, I don't know. It's too controversial. It's crazy. Anyway, so this is why. This is great. So here, this is Politico writing. (laughs) It is not clear what prompted Turner to issue the statement now, as the intelligence has been available to leaders of the House Intelligence Committee and their top aides in a secure room on Capitol here for more than a week, one of the people said. The Senate Intelligence Committee has also had access to the information. Well, let me help you out, Politico. I just explained it. I told you. It might not be clear to you what prompted Turner to release this after they've been sitting on this information, apparently. But I just told you. A distraction from 
the fact that Obama is a traitor and also to, of course, pressure House Republicans to give Ukraine $96 billion. Unbelievable. The, I mean, I, the, the corruption is, is, is just shocking to me. Shocking. Uh, you know, we got, you know, we're, we're going to do 45 minutes today. So we got about nine minutes here. We're going to go. Um, I want to get into the economic data again, because, you know, it might've been a week ago or two weeks ago. I don't remember. You know, I had this story. I wanted to talk about the economic numbers because the Biden administration was praising itself, talking about how great the job numbers were to try and tell the American people, ignore your wallet, ignore your bills, ignore reality. We're telling you that this is a rip-roaring economy. It's amazing. But I saved that. I ran out of time. Time management. Had too many stories. I rushed through an article from Zero Hedge. And I don't, honestly, I don't think that, I don't think that I did a good enough job explaining what was really going on. So I want to do some of that right now. So, They gave these economic numbers, these job creation numbers that were supposedly really good, exceeding expectations. And I want you to know how they're manipulating the data and also what the data really means. Now, firstly, the last two months before this, that they have you know, announced these great job numbers or whatever, job numbers, they've then gone on to revise them downward by like 70,000 jobs. So they're not honest when they present the initial numbers anyway. They always, they always go back after they've said, hey, look how great we did. And then you've forgotten. And they quietly are like, oh, actually, yeah, we didn't create, we created 100,000 less jobs than we said. It's like, never forget this. I can't bring this up enough. Remember, Q2 of, I think, 2022. The Biden administration said they created 1 million, more than 1 million jobs in Q2. Huge number, right? And then we had to wait until December when the Philadelphia Fed looked at the data themselves and realized that the Biden administration had lied and had only created 10,000 new jobs. So the Biden administration overstated employment numbers by a million. And they knew they did that. They knew they did that. And it's, it's so remarkable to compare this administration to the Trump administration because, you know, in this case, pretty much without exception, every time the Biden administration announces job numbers, they have to revise them downward. That is to say that they didn't create as many jobs as they said. Under the Trump administration, it was not uncommon. And in fact, it was consistent that the job numbers that we were told initially by the Trump administration were ultimately revised upward. So we did better than Trump even told us initially with his job numbers. So they were actually pretty conservative with what they gave us, and they exceeded those expectations. In this case, we have an administration that just flat out lies. So firstly, always remember this about the stats that the government uses, the administration uses with job creation. People who are not looking for jobs are not included in the statistics. 
People who are not actively looking for a job are not considered unemployed. This is huge. So if you leave the workforce because you don't want to work anymore, or you just decide to stop applying for jobs and you're not actively searching, yes, you are unemployed, but because your intention is to be unemployed, they do not consider you unemployed. That's huge. Remember that. And so if you look at actual unemployment, the real unemployment rate is closer to 7.5%, not the 3.5% or 3.4% or whatever it is they keep feeding us. And here's the other thing. A quarter of the job creation has been government jobs. Why is this a problem? Why is this a problem? Because it takes three or four private sector jobs to pay for one government job. So it's fiscal insanity as well. It's not good. Government growth is never good. And it's the second largest employer in America after the healthcare industry. And the healthcare industry is pretty much run by the government. Now, people with full-time jobs are getting additional part-time jobs. Let me repeat that. People that have full-time jobs are also getting part-time jobs on top of that now because the Biden economy is so bad that they cannot survive on the one job they previously relied upon. So they now have to go out and let's say you work like a dog 40, 50 hours a week. You got to go get a gig job working for Uber or Lyft. This is not a good thing. This is, this is very discouraging and demoralizing about this economy. But that is being counted as a new job added. Do you understand that? They're counting the part-time job. So if you've got a full-time job and you go get a part-time job to help pay for the increase in your electricity and, and way of life and groceries and everything else, that's being counted as a job created. But you didn't give a new person a job. You didn't help a new person make a living. Do you see how dishonest that is? And uh, finally, statistically, all of the new job creation, this is for going back for several years now. All of it, I want to repeat this. Every new job created, every new job created statistically has gone to foreign-born workers. So, just thought you'd like to know that. I think that was a little bit better summary so you get an understanding of what's going on with cooking the books. You know, I always get back around eventually to talking about what we needed to. We got a couple minutes left here. Yeah, there's a lot of other stuff going on, but I want to end with, it's actually not funny. Nothing's funny anymore to some extent. I don't know. We got to laugh, even if it's like inappropriate, I think sometimes. But I mean, I, this is like the uh, dumb Democrat, dumb Biden administration policy of the day. Crazy. So here's the headline from, I think this was at uh, day, no, where was this? This was from the blaze, I think. The Biden Department of Justice sues Tennessee over a law penalizing prostitutes who knowingly infect others with HIV. 
I mean, only this administration of DOJ would, would be doing this, right? It's like, it's like the same Biden DOJ that is suing Texas because it wants to close the border. So you have, talk about weaponization of the DOJ. Now it's against states. So if you want to do a good job as a state, if you want to live up to your constitutional duties, if you want to actually protect your citizens, the DOJ is going to sue you. I mean, I'm telling you, this administration is literally the enemy of the American people. Let's just read a little of this. Uh, So the Biden Department of Justice wants to eliminate a law in Tennessee that might spare countless more Americans from, from contracting HIV. A year after suing Tennessee over its ban on child sex changes, the Biden DOJ has sued the state again, this time in hopes of killing a state law that makes prostitution a Class C felony if a person knowingly infected with HIV engages in sexual activity as a business or is, in an, in, or is an inmate in a house of prostitution. This is crazy. Crazy to me. So the lawsuit downplays the risks associated with HIV and takes issue with the requirement that persons convicted of aggravated prostitution must register as sex offenders. After all, this can impact convicts' employment potential and precludes convicts from hanging out alone with children in secluded areas. Well written, well said. The lawsuit cites a nameless black transvestite. We used to call those trannies. That's not appropriate anymore, I guess. Anyway, the lawsuit cites a nameless black transvestite as a complainant aggrieved by the law. He was arrested in 2010 for prostitution near a church or school and pleaded guilty to one count of aggravated prostitution, having engaged in sex for money despite knowing he had HIV. Well, how dare we interrupt these people from making a living? You know, if you want to be a prostitute in America and you've got HIV, you should not let that little detail prevent you from making an honest living selling your body for sex, right? That's unfair to the person. So the transvestite alleges that as a result of the law, he now has trouble finding employment because of his sex offender listing in the TBI's registry, is precluded from spending time alone with his nephew, and cannot change his name to match his gender identity. The DOJ claims that the TBI... And the state of Tennessee are violating the Americans with Disabilities Act by continuing to enforce the statute. Wow. So, there you go. The Biden administration and DOJ added again. Don't you feel safer every day? The Biden, you know, but you don't have to feel like this forever. Because there's an election coming up. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's going to be in November of this year. The most important election of your lifetime. And you can tell these people to pound sand. You can vote for Donald Trump. Or you can vote for Joe Biden and the Democrats. And they can continue to sue your state so that nobody has to register as a sex offender who has committed a sex offense. So those are your choices. Anyway, you know, look. I mean, it's a a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer, Captain. But anyway, look, 
It's been it's been a it's been another great time twice in a week. That's crazy. Actually, I do have some big news for you, but I won't share it today. I'll share it with you uh, maybe next week. Um, I, we'll, we'll see if we can. We'll, we're going to get in here, Captain. Are, are we? Are you, what, what, Monday, Monday. What are you doing on Monday? Are you going to? Okay, so look, Captain and I are going to are going to do another episode on Monday, um, and then I'm actually getting on a plane on Tuesday and I'm flying out to D.C. area for the for CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Committee. So I'm I'm going to be out there for the week. Um, so anyway, so Monday I'll have some news for you. Uh, that'll be big and, and fun for everybody. Uh, all right. God bless you all. This is Drew Allen, your Millennial Minister of Truth, until Monday. Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. Has Drew died Allen. hard conservative to this guy for wisdom.